We are finally talking all day today about Samson. And um, Samson is probably the most famous of the, of the judges of Israel. And he is probably one of the most flawed too. And today, if I could give this lesson an alternate title, it'd be something like, when God's people go, oh, oh, so horribly wrong. Uh, it's, it's amazing how, and yet God used, used Samson to fulfill his, his purpose. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today is how even when we get in the way of God's plans, God can still act and his purpose can still be fulfilled in this world. So I would actually like to just jump right into the word today. And we're going to go right to um, Judges 14, and we're going to read 1 through 20. Samson went down to the city of Timnah, where he saw a Philistine woman. When he returned home, he said to his father and mother, I saw a Philistine woman in Timnah. I want you to go get her for me so I can marry her. His father and mother answered, Surely there is a woman from Israel you can marry. Do you have to marry a woman from the Philistines who are not circumcised? But Samson said, Get that woman for me. She's the one I want. Samson's parents did not know that the Lord wanted this to happen because he was looking for a way to challenge the Philistines who were ruling over Israel at this time. So Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah as far as the vineyard near there. Suddenly, a young lion came roaring towards Samson. The spirit of the Lord entered Samson with great power, and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. For him, it was as easy as tearing apart a young goat. But Samson did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Then he went down to the city and talked to the Philistine woman, and he liked her. Several days later, Samson went back to marry her. On his way, he went over to look at the body of the dead lion, and he found a swarm of bees and honey in it. Samson got some of the honey with his hands and walked along eating it. When he came to his parents, he gave some to them too. They ate it, but Samson did not tell them he had taken the honey from the body of the dead lion. Samson's father went down to see the Philistine woman. And Samson gave a feast, as was the custom for the bridegroom. When the people saw him, they sent 30 friends to be with him. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. Try and find the answer during the seven days of the feast. If you can, I will give you 30 linen shirts and 30 changes of clothes. But if you can't, you must give me 30 linen shirts and 30 changes of clothes. So they said, tell us your riddle so we can hear it. Samson said, out of the eater comes something to eat. Out of the strong comes something sweet. After three days, they had not found the answer. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Did you invite us here to make us poor? Trick your husband into telling us the answer to the riddle. If you don't, we will burn you and everyone in your father's house. So Samson's wife came to him, saying, crying and saying, You hate me. You don't really love me. You told my people a riddle, but you won't tell me the answer. Samson said, I haven't even told my mother or father. Why should I tell you? So Samson's wife cried for the rest of the seven days of the feast. So he finally gave her the answer on the seventh day because she kept bothering him. Then she told her people the answer to the riddle. Before sunset on the seventh day of the feast, the Philistine men had the answer. They came to Samson and said, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Then Samson said to them, If you had not plowed with my young cow, you would not have solved my riddle. Then the spirit of the Lord entered Samson and gave him great power. Samson went down to the city of Ashkelon and killed 30 of his of its men and took all that they had and gave the clothes to the men who had answered his riddle. Then he went to his father's house very angry, and Samson's wife was given to his best man. 
Now, I've heard of stories of weddings <coughs> going horribly wrong. <laughs> this guy takes a cake. This might be the worst one I have ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> this, this is right up there at the top. So I want to start by asking all of you, what do you take away from this? Reactions. Sounds, sounds like he was nervous to get married to me. OK. Maybe some nerves. I feel like he acts like a little kid. Ah, ah, okay, very good. Okay. <coughs> I'm gonna, immaturity. Maturity. Yeah. <coughs> I find it interesting that here's one case where the Lord actually wanted him to marry this Philistine. Yes. Whereas every other case, it's have nothing to do with them. This ah. case, God had a plan, and, and that was his plan all along, was... Samson to kind of penetrate the, the Philistine circle, so to speak. This is good. This is good. I'm going to say it is a terrible way to connect with Philistines. <laughs> right? With so, jawbone or otherwise. Uh -huh. So was it God's plan then the whole time that he was going to give her to the best man? Mm. Because he By the way, I've been told that I do this, uh, you know, you know, this advertisement for Gold Peak Tea. I am getting no money from them. So I just want you to know, this is just, I happen to take a drink at a great time. So continue your thought here, because I like this. Well, I mean, there's nothing unknown by God. Yes. I mean, and we, there's nothing we're capable of doing to mess yes. up his plan. And God had to have known that the end of this was, he was going to give her away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this. This is a whole reason that I wrote God's goals here, which maybe, you know, we may say are different than Samson's actions, but I want you to really think about this because what Laurie is saying is actually onto the right track. There seems to be chaos here, and it seems to be something that God wouldn't have necessarily wanted. However, we know that it was God's will that he was going to intervene here with a Philistine woman. Then you start, it, it spawns like 10 or 20 other questions. Why? How? What was the purpose? I thought they weren't supposed to intermarry with Philistines. What was it about Philistines, and I've kind of already answered it, that made them a people that, in general, God did not want his Israelites to intermarry with? They were pagan. They were pagan, which means what? They, they didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in God. They, they believed others. in their own gods. Yeah. Yeah. Uncircumcised <coughs> Philistines. We'll see that again in Samuel when David goes up to fight Goliath. Are you going to let this uncircumcised Philistine insult our God, right? <coughs> so, what else do you see here that strikes your fancy? I think Samson um, doesn't seem to have like any hatred towards the Philistines, so I think God is giving him like kind of the motivation to want to be against. Because then the Philistines oh, like against the Okay. Okay. Um, so what you're saying is... He likes them enough that he wants to marry them. No. Initial. We'll call it hatred. Philistines. Why do you think that is? I'm just going to ask you. And, and there's a, you know, I would assume to be an answer, good answer here. Why do you think that is? Where, where is Samson growing up? And I've drawn my terrible map again, and probably it's so zoomed in you can't even tell what it is. This is not modern art. This is the sea of what is going to be called Galilee. It's Chinnereth now in 1200 BC, Dead Sea, Judean Hills, where 
The tribes of Israel are located. I drew one tribe here, tribe of Dan. Where do you notice it's located? And this is where Samson grows up. Where is it located? Right, on the middle. right next to the Philistines. <clears throat> okay. So then the question is, well, why would Samson find them agreeable? What do you think? Yeah. Who do we tend to hate? People we don't understand or know. The people we least know or understand. That's the people we hate. People on the other side of the world who have different religions than us and maybe look differently than us. Naturally, it's human nature. I hate them the most. Okay? That's just the way it is. Samson, though, lives right with them. He probably knows a lot of Philistines. And as you read in the text here, I believe it said it in chapter 14, what does it say about the Philistines over the Israelites right now? They ruled over them. They're in charge. Okay? This is another example of where, during the period of the judges, God has given over the Israelites to the Philistines, at least in this area of the tribe of Dan here, where, where the Philistines are kind of in, in charge. Didn't the Danites fail to push the Philistines out of the cities when they took their inheritance, like they're kind of stuck up in the hills? This is the problem, and this is absolutely right, Nathan, is that during the time of Joshua, it's important to remember God had a very clear command. He wanted the 12 tribes of Israel to drive out or destroy, completely conquer, the inhabitants of Canaan. What ends up happening? They don't. That's true. So you stay yes. there, I'll stay here. You give me this, you can, it's fine. And now we're hiding in caves, right? Uh, <laughs> we being the Israelites. Um, we didn't kick them out, and we'll talk about why here in a minute. And I'm so glad we have our history teacher here today because I'm going to ask for his help. Uh, but we have, this, we have this situation where the Philistines are very strong. They're intermingling with the Israelites here. So there is no innate. So I'm getting back to what Laura said. I really like this because I you know, hadn't thought of it this way before. He didn't, it doesn't seem like he originally has anything against them. But now as we've found, what does it take for Samson to have a grudge against you? Not much. Make him have to spend money. <laughs> Not get his way. Mm. I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like these. Not get in his way. Not win. Right. Yeah. It kind of Maybe they don't realize how bad it is. Maybe they're like, oh, that's all right. You know? Okay. Well, I the Egyptians when they were leaving, and they were like, we should have just stayed. <laughs> we had food there. Why, why are we here? Yeah, you, you mean the Hebrews in Egypt? Hebrews, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. When they were leaving Egypt. They, maybe it wasn't so bad, yeah, right? Well, it's just bad. I mean, it's kind of, it's true. It, they were captive also, but they yes. decided they would have rather been captive than... Maybe okay with status quo. Let's say it that way. <clears throat> now, we have a wedding, and um, you know, as we see here, um, marriage in antiquity, much like today in non-Western cultures, is an arrangement. <clears throat> Typically, um, in general, you would not go out to the local bar or watering <laughs> hole and you know. Uh, kick up a conversation with a cutie and, uh, you know, find out all about her likes and dislikes and, you know, she likes, likes horseback riding and hates rainy days and six months later after dating you get married. That's not how it was. In general, 
your family arranged all of this. It's still common today in the East. Um, and, and in antiquity, almost ubiquitous. Your family would connect with another family, typically your own family, and I know that sounds weird. Um, you wouldn't typically marry a sister, but a cousin was totally legit. And why did that happen? Why wouldn't families tend to intermarry with their own kind of somewhat related other family members? Why? Because they believed the same, and they knew enough about them, they felt like it was going to be good for their their child. Like they, Perfect. They didn't put them in a, a strange situation with unknown. Yep. There we go. You're both right. Familiarity, same beliefs, same backgrounds. Keep the assets in the family. You know, um, this is a time when all you had was your land or your goats or, or you know, maybe you had a some kind of um, you, you you know uh, work yeah, workshop or something like that. <clears throat> um, but here, Samson goes and he finds a you know cute Philistine girl and he's like, I don't want to marry her. Dad, give me that Philistine woman, right? <laughs> So, <laughs> what ends up happening here? So, what, what do you notice about Samson? He's a, he's a trickster. What's he start out with here? Riddle. It turns out, riddles and games were an important part of feasts and festivals in antiquity. So, look, they didn't have TV. They didn't have Netflix. They didn't have Game of Thrones to, to binge watch, right? <laughs> Literally, they had fires. I mean, how many of us have sat around a campfire and been like, this is the most mesmerizing thing I've ever seen in my life, right? <laughs> Amen, brother. You just, right? That's, that's their entertainment. That's their television. Well, when they all get together, you're, you're with a bunch of people you're not normally with, so you've got new stories to share. This is also how you found out about news of the world. You had a feast. You get to find out what's going on in Mycenae. So here's the, the Palestine, you know, the Levant, we would call it. Way down here is Egypt. Way up here is uh, Mycenaean Greece. Way over here is Assyria. Way even further over here is what will become Persia. How do you know what's going on in those lands? You don't have Twitter and you don't have the Des Moines Register, right? Or CNN, right? Playing in some airport that you can't mute. Uh, what else are you going to do? Well, when you get together in these feasts, you got people coming from all over, and this is finally your chance to find out what's going on in the world. Well, Another thing that would happen is it's time to have fun. And one of the things that would happen is there would be, well, many things. There would be riddles. There would be games. There would be activities. Samson is a trickster. He's like, I got a great idea, right? I'm going to give him this riddle. Now, <clears throat> I want to back up just a minute here, and I want to really quickly review. Samson was known as a Nazarite. Someone tell me what were the three... What was the purpose of the Nazarite vow, and what were the three kind of um, requirements in order to continue to follow it? What, what is a Nazarite vow? Dedicated to God. Or Dedicated to God. Yep. To serve him, I guess. Serving him. This is above and beyond. Yep. Okay. And in Samson's case, was it short-term or long-term? Long-term. Lifelong. Lifelong. And so <clears throat> this extra commitment to God, this extra, you know, being pure and being holy and focusing on God. I mean, it's kind of like being a monk, right? A Christian monk um, of the Middle Ages. You kind of devote your whole life to serving God um, uh, or, or a nun or something like that. 
So what were the requirements of keeping this Nazarite vow? It wasn't just, you know, study more, right? Shave your head in a circle or something. <laughs> hey, n more than that, no not grapes. only could they not drink alcohol. No grapes. Nothing with vine. Nothing from the vine. So, nothing from vine, which of course, <laughs> you know, no jelly. <laughs> uh, which included alcohol, and of course, if you consider barley to not be a vine plant, you are a very good botanist. Uh, you are not supposed to drink a beer uh, uh, of any sort. <clears throat> Got our lawyer here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What else? There's two more. Can't okay. cut your hair. Okay. <clears throat> Don't cut your hair. Can't okay. be. Goodbye. Yeah. Never get near a dead body. No dead bodies. Now, <clears throat> if you were eating something that had been prepared, slaughtered and prepared for you, that's fine. You can do that, of course, or you would die. Um, but something already dead, <clears throat> you didn't kill or know how it died, you're not supposed to go near it. Now, really quickly, too, I just want to ask you about the kosher food laws. We're not, most of us I see are not uh, Jewish uh, and maybe don't know all about it, but it's pretty straightforward. Uh, in uh, in the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, um, God is very clear about what the Israelites could and couldn't eat. In general, if you were a carnivorous animal or a mammal with paws, could you eat those things? No. Off limits. No carnivorous beasts. No no mammals with paws. <coughs> Anything that slinks across the ground, like a lizard or a snake, could you eat those? Verboten. Touch them. Um, <clears throat> basically, <clears throat> the only clean animals at this point are basically mammals with a split hoof that chew the cud. <clears throat> um, so, where would that, would a lion fall in all that? <laughs> He's kind of carnivorous. Carnivorous. <laughs> Pause. And in this case, <clears throat> now at first, <clears throat> at first he just kills the dang thing, right? <clears throat> now, <clears throat> one could argue that's not really violating the law because his life was in danger and he, he didn't intend to eat it. Um, <clears throat> so he kills the lion with his bare hands, which, by the way, awesome, amazing, right? <laughs> like, well, in the spirit of the Lord. It said that God's spirit entered yeah. him when he did yeah. it, so I don't think that that could be a violation of the law. Let me see God it this way. Because God wouldn't help him break the law. Yeah. Let me write that. Spirit enters. And then you were going to say something, Steve? Yeah, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> okay. Spirit comes upon him, right? I love how you all think alike. That's good. It's a good sign. Maybe Great not. Lines. Maybe not, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> spirit enters Samson, kills the lion. And by the way, a lion? Why is he coming upon a lion? Do you think that's odd? I thought it was odd that he was able to kill the lion as easy as you could split the jaws of a goat. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how easy is that? How easy is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not easy. <laughs> so not having it's not easy. Speak from experience? I don't know. That's creepy. I don't no, know. You're well, having cracked it, goat's head. Right. So it's important to point out that this is a period in which many wild animals that today are in zoos or not even in the wild are here. Lions are common in the Levant in this period, as are the, uh, uh, the trees of the cedars of Lebanon, but that's a whole other thing because they were also wiped out. Anyway, <coughs> so he kills this lion. It's dead. He moves on. He comes back. What does he do that's so egregious? 
bees hung from the carcass. Don't touch a dead body. And he gave some to his parents. Oh, I bet if they find out, they'd be like, what? <laughs> what? Well, he didn't right. tell right. Now, maybe they weren't Nazarite, but... Uh, but but here's they knew about it, I wonder if that would... Uh, because they were raising him as a Nazarite. I'm sorry, but why would you? I don't know. But it's a different time. But. I know, I've never heard of a beehive make, like congregating inside of an animal like that. It's a good point. And, and That's not a natural yeah. thing that happened to me. It's not natural, and one would, would assume maybe that because of the climate, maybe it was in the summer, the carcass dried very quickly and then became something that the bees would, would you know. I'm not an apiarist, but... Uh, I had a little trouble getting over the he scraped it into his hands. I mean, just, it's honey. <laughs> you know? Honey's pretty yummy, but... I mean, that's just... He's a wild guy, isn't it's he? It's weird. It's a know? wild man. Mm, strange. Man of the earth. And the lion was in a vineyard. Ah. <laughs> So okay. he, ah, they were walking along through up came this through is a vineyard. Which is <laughs> and let's and talk about that really briefly. He has a wedding party. What happens at wedding parties? They drink, <laughs> drink a lot of wine and beer and whatever else. Mead made of honey, ironically. Um, so we can we can also assume here that he's probably maybe he's violating a lot of things here. But what happens? Does God cut him off immediately? Here's, here's the kicker. The spirit entered him again when he went and killed the 30 Palestinians. <clears throat> Enter Samson. Even when Samson <clears throat> is sinning. Now this might surprise a lot of you. Wait a minute. If I'm bad, God punishes me. <laughs> if I'm good, God might bless me. How many of us actually think that from time to time? <laughs> Come on, be honest. You know? Be honest. Or bad things are happening and you look and you're like, well, what am I doing to deserve this? Yes. What do I need to change? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, I am not discounting that that can happen. And it probably does from time to time. But it is not a stimulus response. God is not a vending machine. I say that a lot. He's not a vending machine. He's not some computer that if then statements are written, if I sin, then God punishes me. It doesn't work like that. <coughs> Even when Samson is sinning, is God still using Samson to fulfill his purpose in this world? Mm -hmm. You better believe it. The disciples had that argument. You know, who sinned more, the, the man or the parents? Mm -hmm. Nice. Jesus said, that really doesn't even matter. Yes. What are you even talking about? Yes. It's just that God would be glorified. Or if you look at the book of Job, Job mm -hmm. and his friends both had that mentality. Yes. If I do good, I should. So Job said, God must be unjust. And his friends said, no, he is just, and he must be sinning. And all of them were missing the point. Love this. I Absolutely. think um, the scripture that all things work for, for the good, I think we don't always realize, I mean, some of the worst things I've gone through have given have taught me the biggest lessons and made me the strongest person. Okay. And, I mean, you can't look at bad as bad. I mean, we, we have this weird filter where everything's good or bad. Yep. And it's not good or bad. It's, you know, what are we supposed to be learning? What are we gaining from this? And how does this fit? <coughs> I'm going to say that i got to be real careful about how I say this. I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to wait. Because I'm going to come up with a better way if I'm going to say this so it's not wrong. <clears throat> we'll come back to that. It's okay to sin. I love you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think that was <laughs> 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 I don't think that was 
<laughs> and believe me, uh, I do it I do think daily. we're not powerful enough to disrupt God's plan, and with our sin, it's important to remember that all. Yes. Ah, oh. Okay, back to this. God's purpose is bigger than our choices. Yeah. <clears throat> Good or bad. <clears throat> I think sometimes things happen. It's good to see it. God is trying to, what God is trying to teach us. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, very good. We can, <clears throat> we can learn how we learn mm-hmm. things that happen, why things I didn't like happening, why is this going on, why am, and uh, <clears throat> I soon found out mm-hmm. what he was trying to teach mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. He still teaches me. <clears throat> Very good. Very good. I, I'll say that uh, it's pretty pretty standard, I guess, for me to, to do a comparison. So I got the closest parking spot to the door of Dylan's yesterday. And I was like, man, God, you just must be proud of me. <laughs> and there's a line at Forever 21 that was a mile long. And there's just, if you've ever been in that store, there's just crap everywhere. I'm like, man, this is miserable. What have I done <laughs> to anger you here at me? I mean, it, 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 it crosses my mind for, and then I go, wait, no, no. I think you that's not God. put yourself there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I put my own feeling, my own, my own feelings on him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is how I would treat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yep. I absolutely believe I can't change God's mind about me. But it doesn't mean I don't still play the little mm-hmm. I like the little game. Go. Yep, all of us do it. All of us do it, brother. <coughs> okay. This, this starts the same sentence uh, attraction to a certain kind of woman. <laughs> well, uh, let's, let's talk. Yes. <coughs> He's easily influenced by the women. I guess. Yes. Certain, certain women. Yes. Very good. Very good. Some of us have been cursed. <laughs> careful. <laughs> careful. <laughs> and have battled this throughout our lives, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> marriages was honestly to try to prevent some of that, where mm-hmm. men were very yeah, influenced by women. The family was trying to make more mindful choices for them so that they didn't get stuck in bad situations. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the beliefs behind why they did a And it goes both ways, because then sometimes well, course, the parents yeah. see it one way. Okay. So the end result is what here? What is the end result of all of this mess? <clears throat> Moves what? back home to mom and dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the bride. Goes to someone else. So he at least paid his debt. He was an honest man that way. Here's your clothes. He had to murder and rob to do it, but you know. <laughs> right, a little blood. It comes right out. Right? He, put it, he put the contract above morality, really. Okay. This is good. His, this, his is, this is good. He bartered and, Ooh, this is good. and all of a sudden put that above it. Where did we hear this before? 
hear this before. Jephthah. If only you'll give the enemy into my hands, whatever comes walking out of my home's door, first thing I will sacrifice to you. And lo and behold, what happens? Daughter. That's exactly what happens. He sacrifices his daughter, right? Put his own personal vow above it. Look, we live in an age, we've always lived in ages when certain people believe, you know, I'll make this promise no matter what it is, I'll stick to it no matter what. It may seem honorable on the surface, but when it conflicts with God's plan, mm, it's, it's really about preservation preservation of my reputation. Yeah, it's all about Samson. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, as a Palestine man, if you hear this story and that he just went and killed 30 men, you know, with his bare hands and, you know, can you imagine the fear that put in the Palestine men, which was really probably more the whole the whole reason God allowed any of this to happen because it set up a, this it set up a mental point. situation where now the Palestine men are going to be already respecting and scared of Samson. When this is it. Setting up a battle. This is all setting something up that God has planned already. Setting up a battle with the Philistines. And <clears throat> we're going to see that in the next chapter. Laying the groundwork for something here. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Don't you think, though, that they're... A distinction can be made between <coughs> fulfilling a vow to God and fulfilling a vow to other people. Mm-hmm. What do you? Th- I think. So, what would be the difference? It's a little bit harder, I think, to condemn Jephthah for fulfilling a vow that he made to God, since we do know that it's better to it's better to not make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Then, whereas with Samson's, it was a vow to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and not godly people like that. He abandoned his vow to God. For the I, sake of the I kind of wonder what kind of people does he invite to his wedding <laughs> who would all set this whole thing up in motion? You know, they're going to kill and burn the bride's family if she doesn't disclose what this really means. These are not means. nice people. I mean, they, this is a pretty rough crowd. This is a rough crowd. <laughs> this, is, this is the point. Drinking wine is the least of their issues. <laughs> <laughs> You and your and you family. Notice that his wife was more loyal to her people. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course. Instead of Samson. Which really goes back to why God says stay away from it. All agree. I told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stay with us. If you had not plowed with my heifer, that is as egregious in the ancient Hebrew as it is today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to plow no. your fiance no. or your wife a cow. No. <laughs> or, or intimate people are plowing with her. Uh, yeah. Let's move on, shall we? Judges 15. Uh, it does bring home and meaning to that, doesn't it? <laughs> 1 to 20. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. (laughs) Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. 
Who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply, because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Edom. The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? Philistines replied, we've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave of the rock of Edom. They said to Samson, Don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. But the men of Judah told him, We have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, But promise you, oh, <clears throat> but promise that you won't kill me yourselves. We will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines, they replied. We won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph, but the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. <coughs> Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? <laughs> So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out, and it is still in Lehi to this day. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. Maybe equally as interesting of a chapter as the one we just read, thoughts Say it again. He's an entertaining chap, isn't he? I'm not getting hit with a jawbone. I think it's hilarious. Well, and it doesn't say that the square of the Lord entered him when he captured how many? 300. 300. That's a lot of pockets. Let's talk about that. I don't know about what foxes. Can I have them in Paris without, like, you know, killing them? Yes. I can't imagine they like that. How many cages do you have to have to keep all these things from running all over the place? Well, I kind of imagine he's walking with a rope. He grabs the first one, ties it on. Grabs the next one, ties it. He's dragging, you know. Lights a fire. Now, as it turns out, fox. The word, the Hebrew word for fox, is the same as jackal, and it's totally possible this was an actual fox. Um, foxes are sedentary, or I'm sorry, solitary creatures. They tend to to hide, be very hard. I mean, how many of us have seen a fox every day on our way to work? Jackals run in packs. Um, they're much more numerous in Israel during this time. It could have been jackals. The point is, he did it, mm -hmm. and it's amazing. Um, it's kind of an amazing story, actually. Can you imagine how he's, a, he's full of beans? <laughs> he's a creative. Like he could have just. Yeah. I think the choice of weapon hmm? was 
was more to demonstrate God's power than mm. to demonstrate, you know, anything about him. I mean, the fact that, I mean, can you imagine anybody being able to kill a thousand men and then killing yeah. a thousand men with the jawbone? Right. Like, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't have a sword. He didn't have anything huge. He had, mm-hmm. you know, a bone. <laughs> mm-hmm. With God with him, he wouldn't need anything more. Exactly. But it was the jawbone of a freshly killed donkey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which he's not so. supposed to touch. Right, that's right. When his uh, <coughs> wife ended up with the faith that she was going to have, if yeah. she didn't uh, tell him that it's just the riddle. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? <coughs> <coughs> well, and that wasn't even at his hand. I mean, not mm-hmm. actually. He didn't even kill her. Mm-hmm. I kind of found it interesting that we we ended the one chapter with Samson, you know, gave his wife to his best man. Well, then the next chapter starts, and no, Samson really didn't do that. His father-in-law mm-hmm. did this. At the end of 14 in the yep. NIV, I don't, I don't know what yours says, but the NIV has it as she was given. Yeah, yeah it didn't uh, say who okay. did it. We ju- I think we just assumed he was walked away from her mm-hmm. when we were reading it. And this is kind of a good point. We have to remember the scriptures are not complete. They're just not. And we tend to, you know, we're human. You know, it's like the old, um, you know, um, perception test where there's these little dots, lines, and then they break, but your mind sees that they're all connected. We fill in the blanks just naturally. So, yes, it's important to be very specific about what we actually think we assume and what we know. That's a good point, Nathan. I guess mine says, so his wife was given. It didn't say Samson gave her. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good psychologist. Assumed. But neither did he, like, you know, take her home with him. Right. Yeah. That was the whole point of yeah. the wedding, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he came back, though, to get her. I mean, he did come back to get her. And what's he bring? A goat. Where else have we seen this? A goat. In the, in the Old Testament. It's way back. Genesis. Judah and Tamar. Oh. Judah goes to his daughter-in-law. <clears throat> Thinks she's a temple prostitute. Long story short, lays with her, leaves, decides to come back. And the second time he comes back, he brings what? A goat. A goat. To say, hey, I'm here. Let's get it on, right? (laughs) Just thought I'd, you know, compensate you for all this. So he brings a goat. Sorry. Well, Brian, you speak about the, the cultural differences. I mean, this would have been a uh, practice going back many, many hundreds of years yeah. to bring a young goat. And I don't know what Philistine culture was like precisely, but it doesn't seem like it's out of the ordinary. Hey, you need to do what your people say, otherwise we're totally going to burn your family. And that just goes back to the fact that uh, God doesn't want the Israelites hanging out with other cultures. For a number of reasons, not just because they're polytheistic instead of monotheistic, not just because uh, you know your family, I don't know these people at all, but because they're just fundamental cultural differences that's going to, I don't want to say uh, pollute the families, but that will probably be God's perspective. And you know what, this, this continues to this day in many cultures. I mean, for the longest time in Europe, we had why we're like the daughter of the king being married off to the son of a queen of a different country because it's a blood fit. You have, you have royal blood, and that blood cannot intermix with anyone who's, mm-hmm. who's common per se. Even today when uh, like the, uh, the princes over in England married, uh, gosh, who did Prince Harry marry? I don't know, Prince Harry married an American woman. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal because 
who is this woman from Baltimore? She is Megan something. Right. Markle. Yeah. And, and yeah. who are the British tabloids ripping up to this the very moment? Yeah. Megan Markle. Absolutely. Why? She's not like us. Correct. I'm so glad you're here, brother. <laughs> I find it interesting that the dad was, he must be fond of Samson at some level because he's like, he's like, yeah, that didn't work out, but look at my other daughter. Isn't she even better? I mean, could be, could be. Don't kill me with the jawbone of an ass. Uh, you know, but I agree. It could be that maybe he sees something in this guy. Yeah, he's either fearful yeah. or yeah, he's probably fearful. impressed. <laughs> well, then he dies. Please, the blame on Samson. Yeah. Well, I thought you hated your wife, so I just gave her to the best man. Like, it's not my fault. It was you. I thought you hated her. It's like Real Housewives. <laughs> I'm like, kind of. Yeah, culturally, it seems like the Philistines have no loyalty to each other. They're like, yeah, do something wrong to us, and we're going to burn you and your family. Like, that's like ah, a Ah, this is good. <laughs> this is good. This is the thing. You have now crippled them. You've crippled them. Now remember, this is what just a few chapters ago the Israelites were fighting against with the Midianites. The, the Israelites were hiding in caves because the Midianites would come down and steal all of their cattle. They would either burn all of their crops or they would just drive out the farmers and grow their own crops there. And the Israelites were now hiding in caves eating berries. This is exactly the point. Once you, Look, we live in an age where, you know, we don't even know where our food comes from. I can get Rainier cherries, for heaven's sakes, on December 22nd, right? I don't know where they came from. I'm going to just eat them. In this period, if you burn up their crops and their olive trees, they're going to starve to death. Unless they happen to know a trader that's bringing all that stuff in by the cartload that they can buy from them, they're going to starve to death. This is crippling them. Okay. Boy, that was like really intense. <laughs> Rainier cherries. Okay. Uh, I want to talk real quick here about the history, and this this gets at the whole Philistine thing. First, before I jump into the history part, which is the last section, I'm so glad you're here, Greg, because you can help me with this. Is there any other takeaways that we have today as we pause the Samson story? Where does it feel like we're at with Samson, and where do we feel like we're going? And you might already know the answer to this. I find it a little interesting how. So at the end of 13, it says that he was born, and he grew up, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him, and then he went to find a wife. Mm -hmm. It's like he rose to power, we don't really know how, okay. I mean, other than he was destined to, I guess, that's mm -hmm. God's plan for his life, but all of a sudden now he's the most important person in the region, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he becomes the dude. I like what you said. And I, the, the cynical part of me says, well, if he goes out and kills a thousand people and burns all their crops to the ground, your word travels fast, this is the guy, right? But I like what you had to say, that I do believe it was God's, it was God's purpose that he was going to fulfill his destiny through Samson. And that he had a lot of plans here. It's almost and, like we leave chapter 13 expectant of something. So let's just talk about who he was. Who well, he was. it's a good point, because how did Samson's family find out he was even going to be coming to the world? Angel of the Lord. Mm -hmm. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, I don't, I'm just a common person here. <laughs> I would think this doesn't happen every day. 
If an angel of the Lord comes to you and to your husband and, you know, multiple times saying, this is a big deal, you're going to raise him up, he's going to serve God, and there's all these things you've got to do, I would think, oh, he's going to be a pretty big deal. <laughs> Call me crazy. But he's got a reputation. They sent 3,000 men to get him. This is it. They're not messing around. 3,000 men. From Judah, mm -hmm. right? So his, his own people. people. People are scared. Hmm. Right? So Judah's what is Judges where the tribes are divided against yes. each other, and yeah, Judah's like he's not from Judah. We're ready to. We don't yeah. Know so this is the tribe of Judah down here, <coughs> and Benjamin. Okay, so we got like three tribes right, right in this this tri city area. <laughs> tribe of Judah. What is Judah worried about? <coughs> Why would they send people to to it? To get this guy, you're kind of getting at it. Still scared of the Philistines. Still scared of the Philistines. If you're Samson keeps stirring things up, what's going to happen to all of the rest of us? Yep. They're going to burn it all down, dude. They are going to burn it down. Well, they have to get their stuff from someplace. Samson yes. just burned their fields. They're hungry. You Israelites They're are going to pay. Guess I, where all the food is left? <laughs> yeah. Guess where they're coming. I find it interesting too that. Um, what did Samson say after his great victory? He said he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a back. He didn't say the Lord gave him victory. Okay. So he took credit personally for all these. Okay. This is a good one. Great, great things. He's taking credit. And I really think that's probably where he really went off track. I mean, all these other things. Okay. But now, now he's. But this is the root. Right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right here. This is really at the crux of the matter. Can I, can I please say this? And I say this almost every week. For those of you who pray, and I hope it's everyone in this room, for God to intervene in your life. When God does intervene, and He will, what is the very first thing that you should do? Praise Thank you. Praise you, God. You did this, not me. I don't care if you got chemo and your cancer went away. Or if someone pushed you out of the way of a, of a semi-truck that was about to run you over. It wasn't the chemo that cured you, and it wasn't the guy pushing you out of the way that saved you. Who saved you? Uh, How many of us feel that's a foreign concept that I just said? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's very easy to. Yes. Because we live in a world that everyone's supposed to take credit. We live in a selfish world. Yeah. I guess it's always been selfish. Right. So. And we live in a material world. Yeah. And you live in an age where it's called humanism. What is humanism? At the root of humanism is what? How great is man? How great is man? And this started way back at the beginning when man built a tower, and where was that at? And how many towers of Babel do we build today? Look around you. How great is man? How great am I for what I did in science? It's a, and don't get me wrong, I love science, but I don't attribute science to man has solved all of the universe's problems. Who created the universe? God. Who created man? God. Ergo, who created science? <laughs> it, it's so easy to get caught up into the whole, okay, you, you grow up and you study hard yes. and you get yourself a good paying job and yes. you work your way through the promotions and yep. you do this and you do that. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to get off track of, wait a second, who gave you this mind capable of understanding? Who allowed you to kind of accumulate these, these things and use those skills? But I thank God for the time and the patience that he has for us to go through that, hopefully get to the end, 
closer to the end of our lives, we realize where the blessings actually do come from. And you know, when I do get that parking spot that's close to the door, <laughs> I am thanking God for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who else would I praise for that? Right. Um, all good it's things. silly, it's stupid, but thank you for that. You know, all the I, little things. I thank God every day, almost every day. And this might sound like a joke that I am not a refugee fleeing a conflict mm -hmm. in Africa. Uh, I don't live in Sudan or, or the Congo, <laughs> the Congo, um, <clears throat> or, or name your country in which I have nothing, I'm destitute, my family has been slaughtered, and I'm on the road trying to find so some kind of like security. I studied really hard in college. I was a straight A student. I'm not the responsible one for why I did so well in school. Why did I do so well in school? God gave me a good family support structure. He gave me the ability to go to college. He made sure that I was born in the 20, 20th century. <laughs> in America, the greatest country on earth, I'm sorry if that rubs you the wrong way, that I had every opportunity in the world. I put myself through college, uh, largely, with a little help from others, but who, who is responsible for the fact that I could even do that in the first place? We like to chalk it up to experience and all these different things because it's really how we're how we're judged especially in the in our professional careers yep. you're you're rewarded for your effort yep and so yep. there's this constant struggle between you know man's approval and God's or man's provision maybe you got faith that's it I think that it's easy to look at our situation and you know abundance of resources and to lose lose the fact that we we actually are in almost as much danger where we're at spiritually than like the people that you were describing because we're so influenced and the world has so much more power over us here than maybe in some of those other situations you talked about and lack of suffering sometimes creates a complacency that puts us at much higher risk spiritually than we would be in otherwise. The people of Zimbabwe in which we partner with to fund their schools and their education and, and to some degree their health care and their, and their living arrangements and their food, they have nothing. They have nothing. They are, they are, they are getting even less every day if you follow the news. Um, what, for the people who have been to Zimbabwe, what is the attitude of the children that attend that school? It's incredibly joyful. Mm -hmm. Joyful. They have nothing. But from what I've heard, it seems, they're, they're incredibly happy for what they have. How many of us got pissed because we ordered something on Amazon and it was going to take three days to ship instead of two? <laughs> Throw this thing away. That's what I'm saying. We have to keep perspective. Let's talk about the history. I want to make this a more uh, uh, an important part of what we do here. And um, I think uh, with Greg here, maybe you can help me out here, brother. I want to talk about the Philistines because the question is, where did they come from? Why are they so? Why are they so hard to beat? Right? Why are they so dangerous? And how come we haven't heard about them until the Book of Judges? Well, this gets at a bigger thing, and I talked about it on our very first day. Uh, for the, the book of Judges. It, it's something that's going on around the entire world, essentially, in around 1200 BC. How many of us know about the stories of World War I? What happened during World War I? What happened in World War I? 
to, to kind of precipitate oh. the whole thing. History teacher? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I talked about it yesterday, but I wouldn't want to deprive Roger of because uh, the military. Long story short, what happens? Yeah, we got the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, okay. he was shot. Hmm? And so, therefore, Austria declared war in Serbia because yes. of Serbia shot the prince, yep. the guy who was next in line to the throne of Austria Hungary. But Serbia is Slavic. Yep. And Russia is Slavic, so yep. they have that almost linguistic familial right. relationship. So Austria declares war on Serbia, yep. Russia declares war on Austria, Germany, and the Austrians speak German, so Germany declares war on Russia, then Germany declares war on France, and because Germany invades Belgium, uh, Britain declares war on Germany, and all of a sudden, in one week, Europe's at war. In one week, the world is consumed in war over differences in backgrounds, Language, culture, and languages. Alliances. We also have the, finally, the push of military technology that has made it so easy to kill human beings that now it's like the world has never <coughs> seen it. We have people on horseback fighting people with machine guns, right? So military technology has advanced. And you have a group of very aggressive people who are kind of starting the whole thing, okay? I want to take you back 3,000 years, around 1200 BC, 1300 BC, the world is really a remarkable place. You have these huge empires that are kind of at the pinnacle of their, of their achievements. Egypt, Mycenaean Greece, okay, the first Greeks. You have the Assyrians. You have um, Mesopotamians, Akkadians, I, you know, go through all the Adians, Persians. They're all, they're, they have huge cities. The world has kind of transformed from a largely um, nomadic peoples to people living in cities. <laughs> you have specializations of job roles. Okay, people don't all have to farm. They can become <coughs> scientists, you know, essentially scientists and mathematicians and, and philosophers. These huge great cities, writing is flourishing. We have a lot of writing and education around, around the world. In 1200 BC, the whole thing collapses. Virtually every major empire crumbles. Overnight, literally overnight, Writing systems disappear. Linear B, which is essentially what we think of as the first Greek <coughs> language, disappears from the world. The Greeks enter what's called the Greek Dark Ages. They will not emerge again until the time of <coughs> essentially the classical Greeks of around 700 BC. Several hundred years will pass before the Greeks kind of get their act back together. Egypt enters what is essentially the third intermediate period where their empire collapses. The really the only empire that doesn't completely collapse is the Assyrians, but they suffer major damage. There's a group of people called the Sea Peoples that mysteriously appear in this period. Where did they come from? No one's really sure. Where did they go? We know that. They seem to come out from, and if Greece is up here, they seem to come swarming out. They swarm what is now modern day Turkey, they swarm the Levant, they swarm in where is essentially Canaan, and they swarm into Egypt. There's a letter from a Syrian that we have uncovered, a letter that is super scary. My father, behold, the enemy's ships came last night, my cities were burned, and they did evil things in my country. The country is abandoned. The seven ships, seven ships of the enemy that came here inflicted much damage upon us, and it stops. The message stops. What has just happened, folks, is the First World War. 
and the entire Mediterranean and Near East civilizations have collapsed. Why am I telling you this? Because this is the exact period of the judges. What is not happening in Canaan during this period? Do we have Egypt coming in and taking over? No, there's no Egypt coming and taking over. We have Merneptah claiming he did, but he's full of it. No one really has the capacity yes. to do any of this. And so it's allowing Israel to have an opportunity to flourish. This is what I'm getting at. All the major empires of the world have collapsed, so no one is fighting over this very important strip of land, which is the, essentially the highway of the Mediterranean. No one is, is fighting, and so like what Steve is saying is it gives God's people a chance to start to grow and to thrive and to, and to maintain their religion, which will culminate here in the United Monarchy in just a few hundred years. Um, there's also this piece about the Philistines. The Philistines, it's thought, are the Sea Peoples. Now, I had mentioned that one of the great reasons why World War I was so horrible is because military technology had finally caught up with us and exceeded our ability right, to logically wage war. And you could kill millions of people very easily. We, the Philistines have a new technology with them. What is that new technology? No, not bronze. Iron. Comes after that. Iron. Iron. Philistines have a new technology that almost no one in the world has mastered yet. They have iron. Iron is what? Compared to bronze, what is iron? Stronger. Far stronger. You can make shields and helmets and spear tips. Um, it, when, when mixed with carbon, which is what they're learning how to do, it can be lightweight. It's steel. Essentially, they're making the first steel. It's totally far superior to bronze. If you, if you stab someone with a a steel spear tip, it goes right through their bronze armor. It's like it's cutting butter. The Philistines, it's thought, are the, are the sea peoples. And because of that, it seems that explains why they were so hard to beat, why they just showed up during the late Bronze Age collapse. And while even David will subdue them, they will not be wiped from history for another few hundred years. I just wanted you to kind of understand this is, this is where they're coming from. Why all of a sudden is there these, these terrible enemy? And you know, obviously they're on the coast. This is really choice land here. This is the plains, very rich plains of, of the Levant. You can grow all of your crops here. It's very nice here. They, they never let go. That really explains the Samson situation a lot better. Okay. Because, you know, they now respect behind them. We're not going that way. We'll go that way. Okay. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time.